Alright, hi guys. Um, so, before we get started, I did make a Word document for all of you, but um, I figured I would describe it as well. Um, I guess the Word document, I don't know, doesn't do it for you. Um, the world we're going to be playing in is called Uraral. It's made up of three continents, a bunch of smaller islands. I put up a picture for you guys the other day. Um, there are two seas, the Alabaster Sea and the Basamic Sea. The um, Alabaster Sea is up to the north, and the Basamic Sea is to the south. There's not a middle sea, they just kind of meet in the middle around uh, Devonshire. Uh, Devonshire, and where they meet, because um, the Alabaster Sea is kind of like a white, whitish sea, because of the cold and the snow and the ice and such up in that region. Like there's a bunch of icebergs and uh, such up in the Alabaster Sea near Northshire. Um, so, and the Basamic Sea is starts off blue up he up um, near the middle of Devonshire, and it goes into like a bluish green and then more of a green as it gets closer to the southern continent of Tendere. Um, so where they meet, there's this weird mix of like blue and white. It's a bluish white color where they mix. Um, and the North Continent, uh, Northshire is cold and frigid and snows most of the year. So the people that live up there are pretty hardened. There are there's some farming villages up there. Um, there is the farming villages, those people are really hardy because it's really hard to to get the crops to grow. Most of the Northshire um, towns and villages, with the exceptions of the dwarfs of the withered volcano, pray to Shiva. That way, they're able to get their crops. They, they pray to her that they don't wither and don't get destroyed by the storms, snow, and blizzards, and the severe winds. Um, they, they pray that they're going to be able to you know, get a bountiful harvest and be able to get plenty of firewood and whatever else they need. They, they normally pray to Shiva. Um, they're, they're very much praying to her for, <laughs> for not so much her guidance as... Please don't destroy my stuff. <laughs> and she's not a vengeful god or anything, but she is the god of, goddess of ice and snow and rebirth. So, um, you know, crops are seen as a kind of a rebirth, and snow is a harder climate. Um, even like the, the the warriors that are there are hardened by the snow. They go up to the the severed mountains to train with the, the dwarves of the withered volcano. Um, so this is a very hardy region. Um, like I said, the, the severed mountain is, is up at the top. Um, it covers all of the, the northern part of Northshire. Um, at the very top is the withered volcano. Um, inside, this is going to sound really weird, but at the base, inside, it was the Dwarven city of Nandor. Um, you can get there two different ways. Depends on how long you want to travel and how hard you want your journey to be. Um, you can go directly into and through uh, a path that's carved into the Severed Mountains. That takes about a week's time. Um, and unfortunately, it's not a, like a straight path. It's jagged, it's windy, it breaks off into different paths that seemingly go nowhere or maybe somewhere. People get lost, a lot of people don't come back. Um, it's not normally the path that's taken unless it's, it's a seasoned traveler uh, band, traveling band of adventurers or, that have, or, or merchants. It's normally not the path that's taken, um, which makes Invading the, the city of Nandor that way, very difficult. Um, it's also got some traps, too. Um, or, you can take a path that's a little off to the side, 
of the Severed Mountains. It goes up and around and into the top. It actually only takes a few days. It's very well kept um, by the dwarves. Uh, puts you right at the east gate um, of the mount of the uh, city of Nandor. Um, if you go, oh, open up that gate, it goes right inside the mountain, right to the, the dwarven civilization. You'll end up uh, about in the middle of the city, because um, there's the upper city where the uh, nobles live. There's the middle of the city where the, the workers live. Um, they're lower down. Uh, it's kind of like the Colosseum and the mines. So, uh, it's, it's very uh, nice. The city of Nandor is ruled... Give me a second to scroll down here. Because I put it in a different place. It's ruled by King Sedetra. King Sedetra uh, rose to power. He was a man who used to be a blacksmith. Um, he's also he was also a soldier. He, he did a lot to defend his people growing up, and the pe the people of Nandor really respect him, and um, so they uh, they kind of have a, a democracy and and they appointed him. Um, so he's been ruling for twenty some years. No one's ever opposed his rule. Been pretty peaceful. Um, and they keep pretty good trade with the city of Amala, um, which is the port city to the south. There are, um, but after the uh, Severed Mountains is the Frozen Forest. Um, there's there's some, town, some towns in there, um, but there's there's no big cities or anything. There's there's very little various little towns that spot that dot the frozen forest. Some elven uh, villages, of course. Uh, but for the most part, it's, it, they're just hardy people. Um, the elves of the frozen forest tend to keep to themselves. Um, they respect Shiva. Um, some of them even pray to her. They. Uh, the ones that know how to use magic of the upper class generally know ice magic because um, of the, the where they live. Um, they don't normally diverge into like fire magic and that kind of stuff. They normally stick to ice. Um, after that, um, no, the forest goes pretty much across the middle of the whole continent of Northshire. After that is, is the port city of Amala. Um, it is a trade city, but the the people are, are pretty hardy. Um, the soldiers of Amala don't take kindly to people trying to start even the smallest amount of trouble. You will get sent to jail even for like pickpocketing. They don't like shit like that. They are very much, you don't start any trouble. You're very respectful in this town. Of the people and of their ruler, who is Queen Della. She is a hardened human warrior. She uh, used to be a soldier. She rose through the ranks and eventually became queen. Um, there's the uh, University of Orvala. And it's a place of study and practice of magic. Um, it's where most magic users will go to study their trade, or if people just want to study magic and how it works and such, people normally go there. Um, in the middle of Ural is Devonshire. At the top of this continent is the Windy Mountains. They cover the whole northern region of the continent. Um, the wood, the, the wooded, the wood forest volcano. Is right in the middle of this mountain range. Um, oddly enough, around this volcano is a forest. That's why it's called the Wood Forest Volcano. The forest doesn't really have a name. Nobody ever thought to name it. Um, the Wood Forest Volcano is home to. Give me a second, I gotta find it. I typed so much shit out. The Dwarven City of Viar. Um, they are pretty, generally pretty nice people. They're, they're respectful of others. Um, they like to trade. 
uh, ores. They don't really get a whole lot of jewels. The jewels normally come from the Doran city of Nandor. But they make armor and weapons too. Um, so they they normally send out the stuff that they they make uh, normally to the city of Anita. Um, Anita is, is a fortress town that is at the base of the Windy Mountains. Um, the only way you're getting to the dwarven city of Venar is if you go through the city of uh, Ina. So they, these people of Ina are very protectful of the mountain and of the dwarves in, in the Wood Forest Volcano. They normally don't let anyone pass past the edge of the village that it's right smack dab against the right smack against the windy mountains um you normally have to know someone in uh nr or sometimes they'll let a very respectable group of adventurers that have proven themselves over and over and over again to pass through but it's just very rare um because the village city of, of Venar really doesn't have a whole lot of warriors. They, because they don't ever see the need to. They're literally surrounded by mountains. They live in a volcano. And they've got a fortress town at the bottom to protect them. Uh, it's, it's not really going to happen. Um, there are airships. Um, airships normally come from Amala. And then travel down to Anita. Um... Uh, <clears throat> So, and drop down there if people are trying to get stuff to either Edna or Benar. Um, or if they want to send it down to uh, Hedna, which is the city in the middle of the Glenlock Timberland. The Glenlock Timberland is like a humid rainforest. And it's got uh, beautiful uh, willows and all kinds of different trees, but <clears throat> it's very much like humid rainforest. And the wildlife reflect that. Um, in the middle, I mean, right dad smack in the middle of this forest is the city of Hedna. They, um, they have the main Adventurer's Guild. Now, the Adventurer's Guild, there are, I guess, halls, Adventurer halls in each uh, main city on each of the continents. Um, there are three on Devonshire. Uh, there's one on Northshire. Well, no, there's two, because there's one in the Dwarven city of, Nor of Nandor. Uh, and there's only one in the southern continent of Chodera. Um, they, uh, the only way you can take on quests, let's say monsters, really do anything but maybe go smithing, make artifacts, uh, magical artifacts, magical items, uh, anything like that, uh, owning a tavern, but anything to really, you know, prove yourself other than being a soldier. If you want to be someone that can take a quest, decent money, fame, respect, uh, then <clears throat> you have to join the Adventurers Guild. And the Adventure Guild, like I said, is, is the whole world. Um, <clears throat> if you're going to join, you can't join at the smaller ones. You actually have to go to Hedna and join the main uh, guild. So, there are a lot of people that come in and out of this town to do that. And it's also a huge trading city. So, people are always in and out for trade. They are ruled... By did I put who they were ruled by? Oh yeah, they're ruled by council. Um, they're not ruled by a king. They're ruled by a council of people who really they just want to increase trade and money in the town. They don't care about anything else. They, they there are soldiers in the town that they know will probably protect them, but they don't really fear anything because the mountains are up here 
We've got the fortress up here, and there's only a small oasis town down there. So they, they don't really, they keep general peace with everybody, so good terms. So they don't really fear anything. Of course, there are elves in the uh, Gloomlock Timberland. Uh, they, they generally keep to themselves. Um, those that do practice magic, in, that learn magic in the Gloomlock Timberland of the elves, practice nature magic and earth magic. Um, but uh, further down is the, uh, right after the end of the Gloomlock uh, Timberland, which it's about the whole middle region of the Devonshire continent, is the Burning Desert. It is a dry heat, and it seems to go on forever. Uh, there's a tiny, small oasis town right in the middle of the Burning Desert. Um, it's called Belena. Um, doesn't really have a ruler, because this is a small town. Uh, might have a mayor, but... Mm -hmm. Nobody really knows they just normally, you know, do their own thing. Um, because most people are just coming through and restocking. And, you know, as they go from the different towns, um, there's a one place for, for an airship to land. Um, so some people, um, depending on how they want to travel, if they want to travel through the mountains or if they want to travel through the desert, uh, they, um, you can get a guide through the desert uh, of Belena. You need a guide from Belena through the burning desert um, up to Hedna if you're looking to trade or to join the Adventurers Guild. Um, there's some universities there. There's schools. Mainly they focus on Hedna. Uh, there are some schools that they mainly focus on uh, trade. Um, Belena just really focuses on, you know, restocking people's supplies. Um, there's normally some more folk there, oddly enough, that um, choose to live there because it's the almost the best place, other than the trade city of Hedna, to catch stories from people passing through of adventures and grandiose tales, and they, they, they just love it. They're, they're pretty much bards. They love stories. They'll, they'll write them down and commit them to memory and go off and tell other people about them and, and spread the word. So they're, they're, uh, they, that's where they choose to live. Um, most Morfolk either live on the small islands all around the world or in, uh, Tadera. Um, speaking of Tadera, there's a big continent. It has, uh, three lakes. Uh, one here, one here, and, like, one down at the bottom. Um, map. Red Waters is over here. Misty Lagoon is over here. And Orskala Lock is down here. Um, the rest of the land is simply known as the Windy Mangrove. It's it's just a huge, like, swampy region. Um, some places not as swampy as others, but it's got mangroves. And pretty treacherous going, um, except for the merfolk who know it quite well. There's no dwarven city in uh, this continent. So, weapons are their biggest, weapons, armor, or jewels, their biggest import. Um, so, it's, they, I mean, they have a lot of stuff to export too, but they do import a lot of stuff. Um, their biggest export is um, different types of fish, and seafood, and that kind of stuff. Um, they, uh, there are small towns and villages that not dot the landscape. Um, there's one big city on the northern edge. Uh, Denja is the port city. It's ruled by Marasa. She's a female Marfolk who does her best to keep trade coming in. She has connections with the rest of the Marfolk of the continent. And can normally be like, hey, can you guys get me this? Can you guys get me this? And they, they normally bring in stuff into the town so that way it can be traded. and and trade can flow well. She's seen as a, a fair but strict ruler by most of the townspeople. Um, so that's a general overview of the world. Um, now I'm going to tell you a little bit about the, the deities. It might be more in-depth than what I put. I just put a basic overview of each of the deities. So there's Lumina, goddess of light and healing. Um, she's head of all the other deities. Um, other than Chaos, who is her equal, 
um, but Chaos isn't really worshipped. Most people don't even mention his name. He is seen as evil, deceitful. He's going to start chaos, curses, generally seen as bad. Um, so most people don't even mention his name. It's just, it's almost considered a curse to even say his name. It's, it's not a good thing. Um, temples litter the land of people that are, uh, made of them in her honor. Um, but she has no main temple as she's believed to actually live in the sky. Now, in the sky, if you look up, there is a sun, and it almost looks like a circle of white right beside the sun. And people believe in that circle of white is where Lumina lives, because it's a bright white. It's not yellow, not a bright yellow like their sun. Um, and then when, when darkness comes, there's the moon, but there's, there's still that bright white light right beside it. it follows it all the time. Um, so they believe that is where Lumina lives, um, and that she's always watching over. Um, she's seen as a very kind and forgiving deity. Um, most people don't want to incur her wrath, because if you do, you, people will be almost in, instantly smited, and or your family is cursed, and nothing good will ever come from your family. So most people do respect her, even if they don't worship her. Next up is Sinna, goddess of fire and war. Most of her temples are near volcanoes. They're normally in dwarven towns, um, or at uh, the hold on, the fortress town of Edna. Edna, Edna. Um, so um, in war, she's played. She's prayed to for victory with little bloodshed and violence. Um, because even though she's the goddess of war, she doesn't really like violence. She prefers peace, because peace means that everyone gets along, they can trade, um, you know, no one's calling on her unless it's for small things. She doesn't really like to get involved. She likes to kind of take a step back. Um, but she does, you know, respect people of, of training and hard work and that kind of stuff. Um, but generally, you know, pretty, pretty actually mellow goddess to be a deity to be the, the, the deity of war um then there's Terra goddess of uh, earth and nature most of her temples are in the forests in elven villages or right at the base of mountains um those who practice like nature magic hunting herbalism tracking that kind of stuff pray to her um um, the elves uh, normally pray to her. Well, at least the elves of Devonshire do. Um, the ones of Northshire normally pray to Shiva. Um, and even some of the merfolk um, pray to Terra. It just depends on how they feel. Uh, but she's she's also seen as the god of harvest. Um, goddess of harvest. So that people don't pray to her for, for a good harvest, unless you're in Northernshire because of the cold, hard climate, pray to Shiva. Um, but she's she'll come down and help if, if she sees it fit. Um, if you're having a bad harvest and you pray to her and you respect her, a, a lot of the times people say it's a miracle because all of a sudden their harvest, which is failing horribly, will all of a sudden be doing great. And they'll have a, a good harvest, enough for their family, and enough to trade at the local town. And it's normally, normally she she does you know help as much as she she can. Um, Arrow is the next best Arrow, the god of wind and traveling. His temples are along traveling roads and port cities for travelers to pray in. He's also seen as, as one of the gods of trade, along with Undine. He protects trade over uh, land routes. So people pray to him if they're going to go on a trading venture or if they're just traveling. Uh, a lot of adventurers pray to Arrow um, while they're traveling on land to keep their travels safe. Uh, he generally doesn't do much. He's, he's generally like, alright, so long as you guys pray to me, I'm not going to really care. Um, if you guys really need me, you know, I'll try to help, but I'm, he's a pretty busy guy. 
he normally just tries to protect uh, the trades, cities, and towns. Um, Shiva is the goddess of ice and rebirth. Her temples are, temples are up in the north. People come to pray for her easy winter, good rebirth in the next life, even good. Uh, in North Shire, they even pray to her for a good harvest, and that the snow won't, social storms and blizzards won't destroy their harvest. Um, but she, she generally uh, does her best, but sometimes, you know, stuff happens. Um, Undyne is the water uh, god of water and fishing and sailing. Symbols are near uh, lakes and in port cities. There's also one in the oasis town of Benalena. Um, I guess they have an oasis, so they, they very much pray to Undyne. Um, people pray to him for safe travels over sea, bringing in a good haul of fish from the sea. The merfolk, um, they live on the various islands and the continent of Tadere, normally pray to him as well. Um, he's generally seen as a good god, he normally helps, you know, people bring in a good harvest, he helps the merfolk to, you know, be able to have good terms with other races and towns and such, so he's generally seen as a good god. Last up is Chaos, god of chaos and darkness, and generally seen as an evil guy. Most of his temples are in disrepair, they're seen as cursed. Most people think if you even think about him, that you'll be smited by Lumina. So he's not mentioned. And if he is prayed to, it's kept secret, it's kept very quiet. None of the temples are ever repaired, because if they are repaired, the people know that he is being worshipped, and people will seek out those temples to destroy them. That is how evil he is seen. Um, next up are the dwarves. The dwarves live in the mountains and underground. Um, they're hardy folk. don't really believe in magic. Um, there are a few dwarven mages. Um, when they come, ah, they're, they're generally, the rest of dwarven society keeps back from them tries to not be associated with them. They, they don't really like magic. Um, their patron god is, is Senna. They use fire in their craft to make weapons and also, also often live uh, at the volcanoes or deep underground where there's lava. They have excellent craft of weapons and armor. And they're greedy for gold. They have a uh, different uh, class society and they tend to stay to themselves, they don't mind dealing with others, as long as it involves gold, that's all they care about. Um, the doors of Northshire in um, Nandar? Let me, let me check. Yeah, Nandar um, are ruled by King Sedetra, uh, a working man who used to be a blacksmith and a soldier. He raised up and was voted in, ruling for about 20 years now. He's seen as a kind and fair ruler who looks out for what's best in his people. Um, the dwarves of Devonshire are ruled, um, which is the town of Venar, uh, the, the dwarven city of Venar in Devonshire. He is ruled by the Vavine family. The Vavine family is a family of nobles, and they're just looking for money and to further expand into the mountain. They don't really care about anything else. And they have some soldiers to protect, but they don't think they have to really worry about anything because they're surrounded by mountains and have a fortress town at the base. They're pretty good. Um, as for the lineage, of dwarves. Um, there's the nobles. They're the high society of dwarves. They're normally the ruling class with the exception of uh, King Setra, who was voted in uh, and the dwarven city of Nandor in Northshire. Um, they're highly respected. Other races normally you know, pay respect to them in dwarven part of society. Normally they're, they're the first people you visit along with the ruler. Um, they very charismatic people. Um, and then there's the work class, they're the miners and the smiths and and such. And there's a reason I didn't say merchants. Uh, I'll get to that. 
Um, they make most of the weapons and armor, and I smelt most of the ore, the the ignits that you you see around. Mine uh, almost the ignits and the jewels that you see around. Uh, they're very hardy people. Um, there's the surface dwarves. These dwarves went to the surface so that they could sell and trade. The weapons are armor, armor, ores, and jewels that are either made by the dwarves, uh, the smithing dwarves, or harvested from the mining by dwarves. Um, here's the catch. In order to operate a shop, an armory, a smithy, any of that, you have to enter a contract with an Ekomata. And I'll get to that race in a minute. Um, who loans them a shop for them to sell their items off? Um, they work closely with the Nekomata to set the prices and such. Um, they do have to pay rent to the Nekomata. But de depending on how big the shop is. If, if the, the dwarf is just starting off, it's a small shop. It's uh, about 500 gold a month. Um, as they expand and get bigger and bigger and bigger, they can get bigger shops. So Nekomata normally let them trade up. But when they trade up, the rent does increase. Um, but so does the shop space. So that's normally up to the dwarf. They are normally four to five foot tall, weigh anywhere from 160 to 122 pounds. They're about medium size, they can see in the light. They don't speak common in Dwarven. Um, they're a hardy race. Uh, they are pretty efficient with the throwing hammer, the war hammer, the hand axe, and the light axe. Um, Normally, they either have smith's tools, brewer's tools, or mason's tools with them. Um, so, they know a lot about stonework, too. Next up is the humans. Uh, this race lives all over the world in small villages and cities. They're pretty friendly towards other races. They'll take on any job, really. They, uh, they have no patron god or goddess. It's very from person to person. Culture depends on where they're living at the time being. Um, there are, are different uh, lineages of humans. There's the human nobles. They're the aristocrats of society. They normally only mingle with their part of society. They're very good at telling lies whenever the time arises to get what they need. Um, so they're very charismatic people. There's the uh, middle class. They run inns and the taverns and such. Um, and and they're soldiers sometimes, but not normally. Uh, they love seeing new people. They're always willing to talk. They, they, they're just generally happy people. Um, there's the soldiers. Uh, they're the fighters of the society, often protect the towns and the villages that have some human presence in them. Um, they normally have, from their basic training, a short sword and some basic leather armor. But uh, depending on how far their, their training is, um, they could, they could be very hardy soldiers, or they could just be starting out. Um, these people range anywhere from 5 to 6 foot, uh, 130 to 160 pounds, about medium size. Uh, they speak common and normally one other language. That's just generally it. They're, they're related whatever they want. Um, the elves mainly live in the forests. Um, they either prey to Shiva or if they're in North, in the frozen forest of Northshire, or they pray to Terra, if they are in the Glenlock Timberland, um, they're, um, they, uh, some of them know magic, um, most of them specialize in tracking and hunting. They're respectful to their deities, to their elder. Um, they're actually ruled by a council that meets about halfway through each year. Um, that's made up of a council member from each of the varying towns. Not the small villages, but the towns. Um, yeah, they decide political matters and such. Um, there are different lineages of elves. There's the high elf. They're the upper class of elven society. They normally wear practicing magic, um, either nature magic, um, if they're living in the Glenlock Timberland, or ice magic if they live in the frozen forest. 
Um, they normally don't practice like fire magic or anything like that. That's not normally their thing. Um, they are great at diplomatic talks. Very diplomatic. So normally, of the towns, <laughs> it's normally a high elf that goes from the town that makes up part of their part of the council. They're the trackers. These are the hunters and trackers of the Elven Society. They keep a close watch over their towns and villages. They, um, generally, like, a village, a town is, like, here, and the, the trackers actually live outside of the town, and they, like, destroy anything that, that tries to come in and, and attack their town. Um, they also stop people that are trying to come in and, and question them and, and see why they're coming in. Um, they also hunt for the food for the, for the village or town that uh, people live in. Um, they always normally have either a longbow or a shortbow with them. Um, and then there's Stargots now. So these people are rarely mentioned. They're considered outcasts, even by most uh, elves. They are... They practice dark magic. Some people even think they, they worship chaos. Um, and then sometimes they turn into assassins. They're generally not talked about. So, um, they either have poison vials with them, or, or a book of dark, uh, magic. Um, and they're normally darker in color, too. They're not normally the, the nice, fair color. Normally, they're, they're sort of like a, a dark shade of gray, or, uh, blue or purple. Um, so they're, they're generally not talked about. Not to say they're not around, because they are, but people have seen them. They, they generally keep to the shadows, I know. Generally not talked about. Um, these people, the, the elves, uh, normally range from about 5 foot to 6 foot, about 130 to 170 pounds. They're about medium size, they can see the light, they normally know common and elven. Um, they're normally good with either a longbow or a shirtbow, no, no matter their lineage. Um, normally they can't, uh, it's very hard to charm these people, and magic can't put them to sleep. Most of the elves only need, like, four hours of rest, uh, opposed to eight hours of all the other races. Um, but that's the elves. Next up is the half-elves. This race mainly lives in human cities, they're also often looked down upon because of their race, um, because they're half-human, half-elf. People generally don't, don't associate with them. Um, they try not to start too much trouble, but most of them do fall into the life of thievery and assassination. Um, they don't have a patron god or goddess, and some of them don't even believe in the deities. They're saying, nah, man, they don't exist. Um, there's no real culture to them. Uh, they generally do what they need to stay outside and survive. Um, there are uh, different lineages of them. There's the traveling family, this family constantly traveling from town to town, village to village, taking what they need and, and moving on and moving on. They, they don't, maybe a week or two in each town or city, they move a lot. Um, this, you'll say this family is normally a family of assassins that train their kids to become assassins and so forth and so on. So they're normally a traveling band of assassins that are hired by whoever needs them. Um, these people normally have, uh, cloth armor and daggers on them. Um, there's the city, uh, family of half-elves. They've lived in a city or town all of their life, stealing what they need to survive from the shadows. Um, normally they teach their children how to steal at a young age. And they, these people normally have these tools on them at all times. Um, then there's the, the orphans of half-elves. They grew up either on the streets or in the orphanage, knowing nothing but hardship, um, so they're very, very good at surviving. Um, they also generally think the world is crap. <laughs> Just being honest here, um, the half-elf race ranged from 5 to 6 foot, about 120 to 160 pounds. They're only very charismatic people, that's how they get away with stuff. Um, they normally know common L in another language. Um, again, it's still very hard to charm them, and, and normally magic can't put them to sleep. Then um, there's the Nekomata. So I'm gonna take a drink. This is a race of cat people. 
Um, I've uploaded pictures of each race to the Discord. That way you guys can look at it. Um, these people live in port cities or cities that specialize in trade. But there's at least one to five Nekamata in every city. Because they, uh, they have a monopoly on the trade. The whole race does. The race generally doesn't care about each other. But the race in general has a monopoly on trade. Um, they're very charismatic people, shrewd people, um, I always like to bargain on uh, what they buy, and always like to sell it as much as they can, at the highest price they can, at, um, so they can get the best deal. Um, so if you see an elven shop or a dwarven shop, it's not really the elf shop or the dwarven shop, a Nekomata is the real owner of the shop. Um, this is all the prices. What they do is they, they talk to the elf or the dwarf and they say, okay, it's rare. How valuable is this? How long did it take to make or mine or harvest? Um, and so forth. And, and that's how they set the general prices. Um, they either pray to Undyne or Arrow for good fortune in their trade and travels. Um, the, like I said, the Nekomata are just pretty much out for themselves. Uh, each person trying to have a better business than the rest of the Nekomata. They're very much each person's out for themselves. Um, they just want to get the most money without spending the least amount of money. There are different um, lineages. There's the own family line. This family line of Nekomata have been running shops in towns for years and built up a small little empire. Um, they, their family normally gives <clears throat> their friends and family a uh, 20% discount. Uh, but you do have to ask around towns to make sure your family has a shop in that town. Because even if it has a small fire, it might only be in one town. So you do have to keep that in mind. <coughs> then there's the what's called new business of the Nekomata. This is a young Nekomata who has decided to break off from his family's empire and start up his own business to show that he can he or she can do it himself themselves. Um so they generally say they'll get enough money to buy a shop. Um, it's either a general goods, a magic, or an armory slash smithy shop. And they make a deal with uh, either a human, normally a human if it's a, a general shop. Uh, a magic shop's normally an elf. Sometimes a merfolk, but normally an elf. Um, or a dwarf for an armory or, or a blacksmith. Um, and and they're just starting their business. Um, these are people, I will say, the, the old family line, they don't normally go adventuring, but the, the ones that are starting a new business, they started taking up adventuring in a way, um, because what they normally do is, they, they're not very strong themselves, but what they normally do is join an adventuring party and they know the gold will be split evenly so there's free income to them at least because they don't plan on fighting they plan on staying in the back uh -huh. and like providing potions and shit to the, to the party um and they have a uh, bag of holding which they can store bits uh, various items monsters etc that they can use to have people make stuff that that cuts down on their costs so they can put it in their shop and sell it for a lower cost but they'll make a huge profit so they're normally the ones looking to join the the adventurers guild um the nekomata race ranges anywhere from six foot to six foot nine 120 to 170 pounds they can see in low light they almost make nekomata common and, and two other languages because they're merchants they um normally the other two languages they speak are elven and dwarven but um, they're, they're very good at deception and persuasion to, to get what they want, get what they need. Um, they always have a bag of holding on them. Um, last up is the merfolk. This race mainly lives on islands and swamps or near lakes. Most of them live in the southern continent of Tadara. Uh, some of them do live in the oasis town of... Let me make sure I reference this right. I think it's uh, Anala. Oh god, I gotta go so far up. Yeah. Vanilla. Um, there are some more folk that live there. 
but most of them live in the southern continent of Tadera or on the various islands that dot the Alabaster and Balsamic Sea. Um, they are one with the water in their environment. They love swimming and singing, and most of them come bards because they love telling stories and hearing stories of adventures that cross their paths. They respect the waters of the land and sea no matter where they come from. They also respect the rulers of other towns and they're seen as very respectful people. Um, the different lineages of these people, um, the fam either your families lived on islands, various islands that dot the landscape for years, so you're very good at swimming and getting to and from places. Um, or you live in the swamps of Tregare, um, you live there for years, you, you're, you're very wise. Um, and generally, you know, you try and find stuff in the swamp to trade. Um, there are people that live, or you live at one of the three main lakes of Tadara, which is the Red Waters, the Misty Lagoon, or the Forscott Lock. Um, they've lived around for many years. These people are very intelligent. Um, generally, they, they like to trade too. Um, the Merfolk race is only five to six foot. They weigh around 100 to 140 pounds. Like I said, they're very charismatic people. Um, they just, uh, I speak more folk in common. Um, a, they, since they're one with the water, if, uh, you choose this race, if you're trying to check out, like, the water, um, trying to see, or generally any liquid, um, and try and, and see what it is, what it does, etc., um, you double your proficiency bonus of whatever I tell you to roll. Um, and tall tales, uh, they're efficient in performance and persuasion, because they love things like huge performance telling grandiose tales. Um, there's one new class that I added, um, they're the merchants. So, um, generally, uh, this would be Nekomata, doors, or elves, or humans. Um, but if you're a dwarf, elven, or human, and you're a merchant, you're paying to an Ekomata. Just fair warning. Um, the hit dice is a, a d6. The hit points for your first level is 5 plus your constitution modifier. After that, it's 1d6 plus your constitution modifier per merchant level after your first level. You're good with light armor, short swords and daggers. Um, your saving throws are your charisma and your intelligence. Um, you can choose uh, to be proficient in either deception, uh, two of the following, deception, persuasion, perception, or investigation. Um, you normally start off with a short sword or a dagger, your choice, a bag of holding if not already given by your race, so if you get it because you're an Echo model, you do not get an extra bag of holding, you only have one, and in the explorer's pack. Um, and generally, what this class does is they're considered almost alchemists because what they can do is uh, you can use your bonus action to mix two ingredients that you have in your bag of holding together to either kill yourself or uh, you can throw it to a party member if need be uh, to heal them or you can throw it at an enemy to injure the enemy. Um, this is a constitution check and this is that varies based on what you're trying to make what ingredients you have, if you've ever made it, and what your level is. So if you choose this class and you've made something, write it down, write what ingredients um, are required to make it, and how many times you have made it in the past. Because that may make the constitution check lower or higher, depending on, on what you have. Um, but they normally stick to the back. Uh, they're not normally an up, an up close uh, class. Um, I think, I think that covers everything. Uh, if you guys have any questions, uh, feel free to ask. Um, but I, I do think that covers everything of the world of Laurel. Um, I'm giving you guys this weekend to make your characters. If you want to send me your character sheet or your backstory privately, you can do that, just, just private message me, that's fine. Um, if you don't care if the rest of the group sees it, then you can just post it in the, the general chat. Um, I know we already have a warlock and a paladin, so, so those are taken. But other than that, yeah, choose whatever you guys want. Um, the rest of the classes are, uh, you can get from the D&D &D 5th edition book. Um, because all the other classes are the same. 
but um, if you're choosing a deity, please to choose one from the list that I have provided. I'm pleased to choose a race from the list I have provided. Um, and okay, I've given you guys mostly everything about the world. I'm not going to mention the small towns and villages. I'll mention those as we come to them. Same with uh, burying people and stuff, and I'll make notes of who's what and such. But yeah, that should be everything. So, hopefully this will be... Oh, and I guess I should tell you guys the starting point. I almost forgot. So, the you know, starting point of, of this campaign this is going to be an ongoing campaign. I don't know how long this is going to go on. Um, but we'll, we'll see. Um, you guys are in the... I've come to the city of... Let me scroll up first. Make sure I, I reference this right. Of Hedna. To join the Adventurers Guild. Whether it be for fame, fortune, uh, gaining power, respect, what have you. Um, you guys have come to Hedna to join the Adventurers Guild, that way you can take on quests, and at least earn a decent living. Um, we will start with you guys entering the Adventurers Guild. I'm not going to tell you anything else about the Adventurers Guild, I'll tell it while I'm there, while, while we're playing. I'll describe everything to you, I'll let you describe the city of Hedna. <coughs> that way you guys can get a better feel for it. Um. And also, if you guys have ever seen Critical Role with Matt Mercer, that is how I'm going to be narrating the story. Um, just letting you guys know. If you guys haven't seen it, watch like the first episode of like Campaign 1 or Campaign 2. And he pretty much does it all the same all the time. So, narrates the same all the time. So that's how I'm going to be narrating. Um, but, yeah. Hopefully, you guys work well together. Um, and don't try and kill each other. I have no idea how this is going to go. Um, but I guess might eventually save the world? We'll see. Um, so I can't wait to see you guys when we all play. Hopefully next weekend. Alright.